0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Haley McQueen, and Kate Borset.
4: Hello, welcome to another Offside Rule podcast, and it's all change on the Western Front, ladies. It's going to be a Thursday download from now on. Not Mondays, but Thursdays. Yes, uh, Haley McQueen. The day before Friday. <laughs> Thursday's a new Monday. Um, yes, that's going to be the offside rule from now on. Download every Thursday if you had not got that message. Um, as you probably could tell, I still have with me Kate Borsay and Haley McQueen. I'm Lindsay Hooper. We bring you every week three girls talking three different football topics. Coming up this week, uh, we're speaking about the January transfer window and our top dealings of that month. Um, there was another story that prompted Kate to say, ever wish you hadn't. It all involved... Peter Oddenwingi making his way down to QPR when he shouldn't have actually turned up because he wasn't invited. Gutting, absolutely gutting. Uh, That has inspired us to go, ever wish you hadn't done that. Um, And also we will talk about uh, desert islands and perhaps three pieces of memorabilia that we would take to a desert island of a footballing footballing theme. Have you got yours with you, everyone?
1: I do. I wish one of them was really with me right now and coming to the (laughs) desert island. Mine may be human, yeah. A human one. (laughs) Oh,
5: okay. I haven't got mine with me, but
4: I've got them in my head, which is where they belong forever. Okay, Uh, we also have Fake Brothers coming up with our weekly non-league roundup, and this week when we go abroad, it's the turn of Kate Partridge to update us on all things Russian Premier League, and we will, of course, as well. These podcasts are going on now, aren't they? We have Twitter topic of the week too, which we'll get through. Uh, So let's start off with a quick chat about the transfer window before we get into the topic itself. Um, Two massive stories to come from it uh, include Mario Balotelli exiting Manchester City. And Balotelli, wow, he's been the feature of many an Offside Raw podcast. Girls, I think we're going to miss him, aren't we?
1: I was a bit up... Well, I was very upset when he left, just purely because the comedy factor from the front and back headlines for weeks has just been brilliant. Anytime he does something, it always makes the news. On to
4: a, another big name with a B, Bex. How much do we love David Beckham? Not only has he gone to PSG, to Paris, to take Victoria with all the fashion, I'm sure it was a, a move for her, and... Um, He's actually donating his weekly £150,000 a week wage to a children's charity, melting all of our hearts.
1: And just seeing the images of him, he just gets better as the years go on, doesn't he? He just, like, defies the ageing process. He's just... OK, as a footballer, he's, uh, he has still got it, Let's hope that he does still have it at Paris Saint-Germain and we can still see him a little closer to home, uh, you know, and showing the skills that we've loved from him for all these years, and um, I love him. He's one of my favourite people ever, ever and ever.
4: I know. I'm still still wounded of my, my story where I nearly met him but didn't, but anyway... Well, those were two of the big headlines from the January transfer window. And let's give you some headlines from it this time. I would love to do it in the voice of Jim White, but you two are the impressionists, not me. (laughs) Uh, The busiest club in the transfer window, Crawley Town, completed eight deals in total. Crikey. Is that a shock to you? Uh, Biggest deal was Balotelli going to AC Milan for £19 million. And can we also say congratulations to him? I like to see players still doing well and and moving on. He actually scored a brace, didn't he, for his first appearance for them? Mm. He did. <laughs> Thanks for verification. And Premier League, uh, we will go with Newcastle. I think with the, the big moving team. I know it was a, a toss up between them and QPR, but six deals for Newcastle United, most of them from France. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh la la! And uh, they got five five French French deals within that.
5: Moussa Sissoko looks really really good. He looked really really tasty at, at the weekend. Debushi, um, right back, looks really really good as well. So I have to say that Adam Pardue and the and the team there at Newcastle have hopefully safely resuscitated their season.
4: I like that you said that they look tasty. It we've had a panel chocolat this morning. That
1: was tasty too. Just before we recorded the podcast, I hope they don't develop that kind of pack mentality. And that yeah. it's the French against, yeah. you know, lots of other nationalities. I really do hope that they all gel because I think it is looking pretty exciting up there. I liked as well. Newcastle tweeted the menu on transfer deadline day, and it was a French theme. There was French onion soup, <laughs> probably croissants as well in there. Yeah, I was quite enjoying that as I was sat on air watching and reading the Twitter news come through. It was making me hungry. The female take
3: on football
4: we will then discuss this in in depth now as our first topic girls so I've asked you to go away pick two of the best transfer signings from this January transfer window it could have been a bargain it could have been a great player or a move that you think will really benefit a club it can be home
1: or abroad I will start with Hayley McQueen uh, Luciano Becchio leads to Norwich he's one of mine 86 goals in 221 appearances uh, not bad he is a cult hero at Leeds they are going to miss him but he's been there for a little while now uh, he's He fancied a a, a move. It's not a permanent deal. So hopefully he will go on and and inject that firepower um, to Norwich. They need a player like him. When I'm reading out the results on a Sunday morning on my regular shift at Sky, there is never a Sunday where I am not saying his name. It's very rare that, again, he isn't nominated for goal of the week either. So he should be very exciting. Another one I've gone for, a bit different. We lose our players at the ends of their careers to the MLS. It's nice to see that we're getting a player from the MLS actually coming over here. And let's hope that he does well. It's Breck Shea of FC Dallas, an American international as well. He's joining Tony Pulis's side. He's just 22. He's very young indeed. So we're getting one of their young players. They can have our older players. <laughs> our swap deal there. Yeah, £2.5 million is uh, not bad. I think he's done some very good business there. Mm. Apparently, he's an abstract artist. He loves oh. his art as well. He's a bit of a quirky one. It's normally the goalkeepers you find with sort of hobbies and talents <laughs> like that. But yeah, let's hope he fits in um, Jurgen Klinsmann rates him massively. He's a big star on the international stage uh, as well. He scored 19 goals in 98 uh, appearances. So, not too bad for a man in his position.
4: To my right, Kate Borsay.
5: Well, I'm going to have to go with one of Liverpool's signings. I actually think Liverpool have had a really good transfer window after the nightmare of last year with Andy Caron and Fernando Torres and buying right at the last minute. It's good to see them having bought a striker at the right time early on in the window. Uh, The 12 pounds arrival, of course, of Daniel Sturridge uh, is what I'm talking about. Played really well at the weekend and I love the fact I mean everyone's going SAS SAS you know Suarez and Sturridge but what I like about him as a player is that you've got someone there who has the genuine ability to pick up a team to score a goal to have the vision to set up goals and in the game against Manchester City at the weekend he picked out Suarez and set him up for a great goal and that was incredibly generous of him but also it required great vision and great awareness and if that's what's going on now between that strike partnership then I've got such high hopes for Liverpool's second half of the season I think it's been a great buy as I said great for Liverpool Football Club but great for him as a player as well how exciting to get first team football have a great strike partner and really have such a good chance to go for it Really excited as well by the signing of Philip Coutinho from Inter Milan. Twenty years old, he'll be one to watch for the future. Um, but he's meant to be immensely talented. The other big one that I'm going to go for, predictably because I've mentioned him before, is Jack Butland. And the reason why I've gone for him is not because he's not just because he's a talent, but also because Stoke have got an absolute bargain there they really really have I like the player he's 19 and he went for the playing time rather than the cash because Chelsea were sniffing around him as well we all know that Arsenal and Liverpool have expressed interest in him in the past but he moved from Birmingham City to Stoke for uh, uh, in a deal worth up to £3.5 of course he's been loaned back to Birmingham now until the end of the season very clever move by Butland those very close to him tip him as having the potential to be better than Joe Hart one day he's more fit physically present than heart and that's such an exciting deal and I can state right now that if not within a season and a half, then within two and a half seasons,
4: Stoke will sell him and make an incredible profit. Uh, going on with mine, I've picked two clubs that I think have done good business rather than just players. So I'm going to go with Chelsea first of all. One of the first things they did, they the year extension for Ashley Cole, I think that is instrumental to their, their season next season. Okay, Leighton Baines, I think his stock's rising as a left back and I, he's impressed me this season, no end. But in the Premier League, is there anyone else you'd want in that left back position? Other than Ashley Cole at the moment, probably not. Um, so I would say that was a great extension. And Demba Barr's move, I think he's looking lively. I think he'll be a key um, acquisition for them at £7 million. Pretty much a bargain as well when you consider that Torres costs £50 million. Mm. Um So I think Chelsea I've picked out. And down in the echelons of the championship, now you may remember if you cast your mind back, ladies, I tipped Barnsley to survive. Do you remember? <laughs> yes. This is why they're going to. I'm going to back up my point. Um, two great moves for Barnsley. They have um, Rory Delap on loan last day of the season from okay. Stoke. That was a, a transfer deadline day move. Um, Rory Delap, that long throw of his, I know it's sort of a one-trick pony, but it will work miracles for barnsley down in the in the championship for their survival it will lead to i would probably suggest three or four goals and it could be three or four goals of real importance and the other player they had on a free from ipswich is jason scotland who i've always liked when i've been doing my reporting uh, up and down the country always thought that he's one of those safe pair of hands players is nothing you know there's nothing too dazzling about him but he's a good player to have in your squad so i think barnsley making some astute moves and probably going to prove me right i'm hoping Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher, and I love the Offside Rule podcast. On to the second topic, then. Wish you hadn't. Uh, (laughs) I I mean, there's so many of these that we could go through. I think we could be here all day, girls. But uh, just to give you a bit of a a, a teeing up, on the back of Peter Wingy thinking it was a great idea to turn up at QPR on deadline day without permission from West Bromwich Albion, uh, we thought, what other instances are? Are we thinking it seemed like a good idea at the time, but actually, in reality, it was? anything but we can go funny we can go serious and this time I'll start with Kate
5: Well, I could very quickly mention, of course, uh, the big mistake of those white Armani suits that uh, the Liverpool team decided to wear to the FA Cup final in 1996. That's a good example. But I'm going to go with Steve McLaren, who I'm sure, after he was interviewed following the announcement that FC Twente would draw Arsenal in the Champions League in 2008, wished he'd have watched an episode of EastEnders uh, rather than listening to some of the Dutch people around him. Because for him to say in that recorded interview... Uh, I sort of knew when I came here and Champions League and Liverpool or Arsenal. I thought one of them we would draw and it is Arsenal, I think. It's like... No, you don't, you, don't, you don't think it's, you know, you, you might say that if you're foreign and you're not sure that you've said the right
4: thing, but it, it was definitely Arsenal, Steve. I'm loving that we have an impression a week. Last week it was you with your, with your Polish impression for oh, Thomas yeah. Kouzak, uh, Haley, and this time it's Kate. Brilliant. Um, I'm not going to ever in, and kind of get involved with this, by the way. Just so you know, I don't do good impressions. But carry on.
5: You haven't even heard me scouse yet. Uh, the next one was just one of those missed opportunities. What about this? In 1978, the then Sheffield United manager, Harry Haslam, was impressed by a young player called Diego Maradona and £200,000 was arranged to buy him. However, Sheffield United were not desperate enough to summon up the cash, so the story goes. A missed opportunity. Why did I do that, he might say. Thank you very much, Kate. Haley,
4: what have you got?
1: Yeah, I'm going to start on the fashion theme as well. Was not a good idea. What were they thinking during the summer of 1992 when the shirt manufacturers got together with Hull and thought, I know, let's just kind of storyboard this. Let's come up with some ideas. You called the tigers, I know, I've got this wonderful swanky kit for the (laughs) 92, 93 season. They quite literally turned them into silky tigers. The outfits look more like... Peter Stringfellow's Leisure Wear. Do you remember the, the orange and black tiger print? It just looked. Tony the, Tony the Tiger, eat your heart out. I think the sponsor on the front of the shirt as well was Bonus. Absolutely no bonuses to anybody ah. for coming up with that. Fans did wear it, but the players didn't like it. That, that did not last long. So that, that is one of mine. It is a fashion boo-boo. Uh, not a good idea. Ali Deer. Remember him? No. No. This is why, No. because the football world was conned. Graham Souness was conned. Oh, he was at Southampton. Do you remember that? We all remember there's a story of this player that came in and played a game in the Premier League uh, or uh, in the top flight. And it actually, he he wasn't a professional footballer. Well, this was him. This is Ali Dear. Um, The World Footballer of the Year, George Weir, apparently had a conversation Um telling Graham Souness all about this Senegalese international. He actually hadn't had a conversation with him. We don't know who had a conversation oh. with uh, Graham. A um, bit of a strange story, this one. But anyway, he had been on the books of Blythe Spartan, a non-league team. He hadn't ever played internationally. He hadn't played for Senegal. He made one sub-appearance, but he did play 43 minutes in the Premiership Um He came on for Matt Letizia and he was playing against Leeds United. He was scheduled to play for the reserves, actually, for Southampton in the week, but it had been called off, so they would have got the chance to see that he was absolutely rubbish in that game. But instead... It was on the biggest stage in the Premier League. Unbelievable. He tricked his way into playing a game. And what a trick that was. Yeah, so, oh dear, to Ali dear, it wasn't a very good idea. (laughs) Uh, What was a good idea, though, was he actually left. He quit football after playing for Gateshead and has a business degree from Newcastle University. So there we go. He decided to use his brains instead of his feet, which I think was sensible. Uh, Somebody would have hoped that they'd have used their brains as well at Inter Milan. They could have signed both Barresi brothers. Instead, they chose just Giuseppe. Sir Alex Ferguson, when he gets onto a good thing, he'll take up twins, he'll take up both. Brothers as well throughout the leagues have traditionally done very well. Um, 21 trophies later for AC Milan, Inter (laughs) slightly regretting the choice not to select Franco. Um, He led the Milan team and its defence to the... You know, the best part of a decade, he was up there during that time with that wonderful back four, one of my favourite players, Paolo Maldini, Alessandro Costacurta and Mauro Tassotti, gaining a reputation for the, one of the meanest defences in Europe. So they were playing two brothers, you know, for real rival teams. And actually, it provided lots of excitement. But Inter will have been kicking themselves. He's one of the few players, actually, who spent his entire career at one club. Very loyal to his club, could have been loyal to Inter, but he stayed at AC Milan, played 719 games. Yeah, he scored 33 goals, but he wasn't there to score goals, of course, being a defender. But that was one where they thought, oh, dear.
4: Well, my wish you hadn't was more, what were you thinking? Now, if you know me, I'm passionate about two subjects in life, football being one of them. But for people listening to this podcast who don't know, I have a former life as a music presenter, and music is something I'm very passionate about as well. However, that comes with a caveat of do not mix the two. This is one of my pet peeves. Just don't do it. Hayley McQueen nodding along.
1: (laughs) Because definitely don't mix the two because we've heard you sing.
4: (laughs) Oh, is that? Yeah, I'm not the best. Um, I do like a little hum-along though now and again. Um, I I have to say I think I might be better than a few footballers though. And this is my case in point. Because one of the things that I'm thinking, wish you hadn't, Ian Wright At the peak of your career, striking superstar to go down in history, embark on a pop career. No, don't do it. But this is exactly what this guy tried to do. Um, and Ian Wright for, just went down in my, in my estimations mm-hmm. massively. We're talking 90s cheesy pop. Um, a song in 1993 that was entitled Do the Right Thing. Well, do the right thing, Ian, and don't bother, is what I would say in future. Um, this entered the charts. Now, where do you think it got in the charts? Kate say? It's got to have charted, hasn't it? Uh, perhaps 30-something, maybe less?
5: Because of who he was? Yeah, yeah, totally. And because he was giving a very strong message there, folks, boys and girls, (laughs) do the right thing.
4: Yeah. Um, Well, you'd think with his stock in football, very popular guy, he'd get a very high position. What did you think?
1: I think it's, yeah, it's got to have been up there just simply because of who he was. But yeah, it it was pretty bad. I remember it. It, it. It was not good. 43. It didn't even get in the top
4: oh, 40. That is a, shock, yeah. that that is a sign a of how bad it was. That do not blow. do not mix music with football. And another case in point with this whole music and football don't mix. Let's go to the opening of a massive event. Let's talk the World Cup 1994. Diana Ross, we're not talking about her hair this time. <laughs> we're talking about her feet and her footwork. She's meant to score a goal to kick things off. And it was from about six yards out. Completely hoofs that's it was. Awesome. Uh, Apparently she was caught in
5: the middle of a chain reaction.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kate. Uh, We'll leave the singing to Diana Ross and we'll leave the football to the footballers. But don't mix music and football. That's my point. Well, we'll leave that there. And just for us to recompose ourselves, we'll have a little bit of a timeout by catching up on all things non-league. Faye Carruthers has this week's roundup. What have you got for us, Faye?
2: Thanks, ladies. Still very close at the top of the Blue Square Bet premiere. Grimsby topped the table as I record this. They're three points ahead of Wrexham, who lie second with 52 points. Forest Green, Newport and Kidderminster tight in the other playoff places. But Mansfield and Luton lurking close behind. Three games in hand over all of those teams bar Newport, so it could make for an interesting few weeks ahead. Not such good news, though, unfortunately, for Ebspeak, Nuneaton Barrow and AFC Telford, who are the four teams mainly there in trial now then, Woking have announced that Jaden Stockley is staying at the club until the last game of the season and Sunderland midfielder Billy Knott has also extended his time there by another month. The emergency loan window is now open as well and uh, new AFC Telford boss Mark Cooper wants to bring in Grimsby striker Greg Pearson and midfielder Ian Craney who was released by Rochdale. Leeds youngster Ross Killicks extended his time at Alfreton by another month and Luton have signed ex-Southampton defender Wayne Thomas until the end of the season. Keep your fingers crossed that the weather cold snap coming doesn't uh, hinder things too much in the Blue Square Bet Premier, And I'll be back again next week.
0: Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. You can download the Offside Rule podcast this very day.
4: Thank you very much. Fay, and we will have a roundup of all things Russian Premier League to come before the end of the podcast and our favourite Twitter topic of the week that we launched a few weeks ago uh, we'll be doing that shortly. Now our third topic is football memorabilia. I've actually brought some bits along. I can see that Haley primed and ready with hers. Uh, we're talking Desert Island girls and this doesn't have to be survival by the way, but <laughs> you can interpret this as however you want, but if you're on a desert island and you have three pieces of football memorabilia, what do you take with you and why? This time we'll start with Kate Borset.
5: I would like to take with me the Champions League trophy. Not the replica one that Chelsea night-time security staff managed to break a handle off last June but the one made for Liverpool to keep. I want that one, please. Do you know what? It provided me with such a magical evening as it did so many others that I think if I was taking it to my desert island I think I'd just sit and stare and stroke it for hours. So there you go. So I'd take that with me. The next thing I'd take with me uh, would be my ticket stub for the England versus Holland game at Euro 96. Now I was 18. This is the first big football match that I went to and it's really the point that I fell for football, having been in that stadium to Wembley, the old Wembley of course, having witnessed that terrific buzz and that was the first time that I'd been to a major major football game, I was incredibly lucky, it was euphoric and all I can remember about it in my, in my head, and of course I've watched it back um, plenty of times, but th- but my only physical memory from the actual game was just being up and down off my seat and goal after goal going in. That wonderful third goal by Alan Shearer. You've got Venables knocking around. You've got Gus hitting with that massive tash. Do you remember we had that massive, mm-hmm. massive tash? Um, uh, Gascoigne's superb skill setting up Shearer's goal. And, and I was looking at, at a bit of footage of it yesterday night, just razzing, razzing around the internet as one as one does of an evening. It makes you so sad, really, because it reminded me just how skilled Gaza was. But, yeah, I would take my ticket stub from that game. That's the game that made me fall for football. My third item... Is a coin that was made to celebrate uh, the 2012 Olympics. The Royal issued a 50p coin with the offside rule explained on the back of it. And I'll try and get a picture of this up uh, on our Facebook page, the offside rule, for you all to have a look at. But I'd take that coin as my memory of our podcast. Ah, oh, because you enjoy our time so much, and because I obviously need the offside rule explaining to me as well. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take notes from the back of a 50p
1: coin, uh, Hayley. Oh, I've gone for um, very practical ones as opposed to kind of reminiscing. I do have loads of programmes and scarves and things from football games that kind of bring you back and and help out with the memory. But I've gone for a ball, books and Beckham. Oh, Oh, The three B's. I would take a football, and i would try and do some keepy uppies i've never been able to do keepy uppies and i'd have beckham to teach me the keepy uppies that's the reason for having him there of course and a good book i have so many football books that i just haven't got through i have hundreds I steal off my dad and various people, always swapping books with people. And there are so many that I haven't read. I'll have a look at the pictures. I might read the first page and think, I will come to that at some point. Just never have time on that desert island. Even though Beckham's there with me, I will hopefully have time. Another, I keep um, in a big box some letters that we found after my grand passed away that my dad used to write. I'm going to read one out because I think it's such a lovely letter. It's on some blue paper here, of course, He never used to ring home. There was no such things as sort of um, mobile phones and emails or anything when my dad played football at the time at Leeds United. So he used to write letters. So this is one of the letters. I hope you don't mind me reading out. It's quite short, but it's just funny. And it kind of sums up history. And history was being made as he was writing this letter. So he's like, hello, and he's very Scottish, but I won't put that accent on. Just a note, in closing, the autographs you asked for. Well, no doubt you've heard about my inclusion in the Scotland squad. It does not mean I will automatically go to Munich, but it gives me a great chance. At long last, we have won the league. I have felt like a film star the last few days with all the interviews, etc., that go with winning the league. Revy has not been sober since. We play against Sunderland pto on monday night for billy bremner's testimonial then we travel to Middlesbrough the next day to play them in a testimonial i cannot wait then i report at largs the next day with the scotland squad can you believe it it will be quite handy at largs i'll be able to nip across to kilburnie to see mum and dad etc so this was actually written to his grandma so i think i may get a game against either ireland or wales if i do my stuff i should go to munich what a season that would be for me there is talk of don revvy taking the england job it would be a tremendous blow if he left us anyway how are george and barry behaving themselves well i hope to be able to come and see you soon so i hope this letter reaches you in good health love gordon
5: oh. isn't that
1: cute and then of-
4: Revy took the England job, didn't he? Yeah, I love that. And aren't those things so precious? Um, I have to say that just following on in that theme, mine are completely similar in the sense that they're inspired by my family. And, and I'm into football um, because of my granddad. My granddad was heavily into Wolves. He was a scout for Wolverhampton Wanderers, but also he was a manager of a local team called Sedgley Rovers. So I'm going to start off by, with, and I will put pictures, by the way, on Facebook of them, this memorabilia for you. Um, this is a medal that my Granddad, in his managing days with Sedgley Rovers, it's they were winners. W.H. Love, that's my granddad. 1978 to 79, Sedgley Rovers FC. And my granddad—I know everyone says this, but you hear stories, don't you, in your local towns when you're when you're from very small areas. But my granddad and his friend Charlie Hale were prolific strikers actually they were a good pair but because of the war he never got to really play for Wolves and it was something that he wanted to do I mean whether he would have got there I don't know but he played you know Dudley Town and all different clubs below that but Sedgley Rovers he went on to manage and there's an actual song about my grandad on the internet somewhere as well to do with Sedgley Rovers that was in the Black Country Bugle which I have but that's the medal there so I'll give that Hayley to have a quick inspection of uh, the other thing that my grandad passed down to me and I would have to take this to a desert island to reminisce especially look at this well you have to say a book entitled Golden Greats wouldn't really apply at the moment for Wolverhampton Wanderers and the lower echelons of the league but we won't dwell on that but this was a book compiled by Tony Matthews and of course in the 50s the Wolves were a team mm-hmm. to behold we were a team that really couldn't be beaten very often it was a great time um, unfortunately I wasn't here but you go and flip through this book you've got pictures of players like Stan cullis bill slater um my granddad used to talk about him all the time jack whitehouse frank Munro, and um, and they are the golden defenders because back then as well Football was all about defending. Mm. It was all about the defensive game and getting those tackles in. Um, So I would take that book to have a bit of a reminisce, and then I was having a sort through because it's been a bit of a sentimental start to the year for me with grandparents. So I was having a bit of a sort through, and I found a book where my granddad, and we'll put a picture of this up, has written. And you know grandparents' handwriting, how neat it is.
5: Mm. Oh, it's just and 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 this is just immaculate. It's it's actually like reading old. of script it's really lovely
4: he had great handwriting my granddad but he made a note of fa cup winners dated back from 1872 my grandad wasn't that old by the way he just was (laughs) that enthusiastic Um, where you've got people like old Etonians who we don't hear of now and old Carthonians Mm. back in the 1800s and it goes through all the way to 2004 my grandad passed away 2005 Mm. so he obviously did it every year where he filled in the winners but the thing that I love the most and the page that I shall put up and that I would also gleam at on a desert island is the page dated 1947 down to 67 it encompasses the 50s in 49 wolves won the fa cup and we also won in 1960 and we have two big circles of red asterisk stars. The glory days, Lynn.
5: The glory days.
4: That's what I would do. I'd reminisce on a desert island. Uh, so those are my football memorabilia. We'll put those up. Um, we've got Twitter topic of the week next. So let's go through those. Uh, we actually solicited for your comments on Twitter. We're at Offside Rule Pod, by the way, um, regarding the FA Awards that were announced this week. Steph Houghton and Stephen Gerrard announced as Players of the Year, and we had an under-21 in, um, in Jordan Henderson, and then there was an under 23 player Tony Duggan uh, for the ladies and we asked do you agree with those or not and this is some of the response that we had Uh, Brent Hartland said if Jordan Henderson is the best under 21 footballer we have then English football is in a sorry sorry state I think that's a bit harsh but you know this is people's opinions and Amjad going completely with the the same sort of thing Redmank9 is his Twitter account Henderson under 21 player of the year sums us up as a nation doesn't it Uh, even Jones or Welbeck, if eligible, surely, or his teammate Sterling. Uh, We had uh, Kieran um, get in touch about the women's award, saying no complaints where the women are concerned. And as a Watford FC fan, delighted for Shabaloa getting the men's youth award. Under 21, he's suggesting someone, I think, uh, Jack Butland. Well, that's not a bad shout,
5: but I would say that the best is yet to come from Jack Butland. Although, you know, he did. He did great to get that call-up for the Euros, didn't he? Because John Ruddy broke his finger, I think, or his thumb. Um, But, yeah, I think he's definitely one for the future. Do you know it's tricky with all this? Because is this based on their performance over the last year? Is this a nod to
4: them as kind of England heroes how's how's this selected they are yearly awards so mm. it, it, in my opinion it should be based on the last 12 months and so for me i i can't disagree with steph house and i thought that was a wise choice and I, I think she's finally got the recognition she deserved she's certainly put women's football on the map in the last 12 months and is the name that would spring to mind football men's football Stephen Gerrard, for me, is what you're saying. It's a nod to to his career, and that should be for a separate awards, in my opinion. I think for the, his 12 months, um, I think someone like Ashley
1: Cole, actually, would, would beat him, and he came third. I would agree with you definitely on Ashley Cole, if it's sort of everything encompassed, then yes, he would be the guy. We haven't seen the best yet, I don't think, of Joe Hart. I think he's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm quite surprised that he wasn't up there. Yeah. Yes, Manchester City haven't had the best starts to their season in terms of club level. But when you look at him internationally, just 25 years of age, just 25 years old, it's kind of hard to remember a time where there wasn't a Joe Hart mm-hmm. in goal. When you look at the stats as well, started 24 of the last 27 internationals. He is a stalwart, yeah. <laughs> 25. Um, in his last 11 appearances in, in, in the calendar year of 2012, he had five clean sheets as well. So he's got five clean sheets, his 27 caps. And this is a, a, an amazing stat. He kept out 88% of the shots that he faced in Euro 2012. There was only Ika Casillas who had a better record than him. And it's not that he, he wasn't facing the onslaught. In fact, he made a com- competition high 22 saves uh, in the Poland and Ukraine. He was there to get his defence out of a few sticky situations. That's for sure. He's the only England player to play over 1,000 international minutes in the whole of 2012. Oh, yeah. So there you have it.
4: You so if we're taking it on the, on the whole year, maybe we go with Joe Hart, Ashley Cole, any advances? It is a tough one when you're assessing
5: the whole year. I did want to give a shout-out to Tony Duggan, who obviously won the Women's Under-23 uh, Award. Um, has scored 20 goals in 38 youth team games for England. She was part of the team that won the European Women's Under-19 Championships in 2009. She was coached then by Mo Marley, who was her coach at Everton Ladies. And it was a bit of a scouse invasion, wasn't it? The whole awards with Jordan Henderson, Stephen Gerrard. You had Tony Duggan, who plays for Everton Ladies, picking up that Under-23 Award. The Women's Youth Player of the Year went to Alex Greenwood, who's also with Everton Ladies. Really pleased for for Tony Duggan. You know, she's a great advert for women's football, as is Steph Houghton, Casey Stoney. But what I love about Tony is she's quite a glamour puss. And at one stage, her Twitter picture was was kind of half and half, half her as a footballer and then half her dolled up in a scouse style with a blonde hair and the makeup and the everything else on so
4: she's a great advert she's a great chatter as well and i'm really pleased for her We'll have another Twitter topic of the week next week, and we'll be asking for your opinion. So keep an eye on our Twitter account at Offside Rule Pod. We'll hand over now to all things Russian Premier League. Kate
3: Partridge has got an update for us this time. Thanks, Kate. Thank you, girls. Here in snowy Moscow, we're two months into the winter break and almost a month left in the transfer window. And with the top flight clubs holding training camps in sunnier climes, Big Spending Angie, currently second in the league, have hit the headlines with the third biggest transfer fee in. In Russian history. Billionaire owner Suleiman Karimov again opened his enviable checkbook and signed Brazil midfielder William for a cool £30 million, triggering his release clause from Shakhtar Donetsk. The 24 year old bagged 20 goals in 140 appearances for the Ukrainian champions and, after penning an almost five year deal, is now ensconced with Husydink's side in Marbella. However, the ambitious club were handed nearly half that fee after the lightning exit of big defender Christopher Samba to QPR. The 28-year-old Congo and former Blackburn stalwart didn't pause to say goodbye before signing a -a four-and-a-half-year deal with Harry Redknapp's side, taking a pay cut to earn an estimated £95,000 a week. This is an unbelievable signing, said Redknapp, presumably echoing Samba's bank manager. He's a monster, added Harry, as Rangers apparently adopt scare tactics. Yet, while those deals went, Went through Others didn't. David Beckham, oft reported as an Angie target, opted for Paris. Ireland winger Aidan McGeady remains at Spartak as Wigan's £4 million bid also went nowhere. David Bentley has left Rostov, but still a Tottenham player and is not on loan at QPR. While half-Russian and totally red-faced Peter Odenwingi is back at West Brom, despite turning up uninvited at Loftus Road to try to force a deal, as you do. Thankfully, the focus is back in Marbella after Russia's friendly with Iceland. Fabio Capello kicked off 2013 with an eye on Rio, in Brazil that is, and with Russia leading qualifying Group F by a comfortable five points, the Italian aims to guide the country to their first World Cup in 12 years. So, it might be the winter break, but it's still hotting up in Europe's far north. For further news, please follow me on Twitter at KatePartridgeRT. Otherwise, bye for now.
4: Good to hear from Kate Partridge there. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for this week, girls. We'll be back again next week. But, of course, it's
1: Thursdays from now on. Yeah, and do you remember as a kid now, as an adult, you just go to the fridge, you help yourself to whatever you want. When you were young, you always had to ask your parents for what you wanted. Dad, can I have a drink? Mom, can I have this? And, the, you know, they had to agree and then you thank them. And the joke in our house, right up until I was about maybe 25 years old, Dad, I'm thirsty. Aye, I'm Friday. Pleased to meet you. It's so... <laughs> such a bad joke he still pulls it on kids that come to the house now if they say they're thirsty so just remember thirsty Thursdays if you're thirsty for your football we've got it all and speaking of thirsty we'll let you put the kettle on because this is
4: it for this week but we're in Hayley Hailey McQueen's abode and enjoying it here today and she's treated us very well but yeah a cup of it would be nice Put kettle on, pet. <laughs> Thanks very much. We'll see you again next week where we'll be talking three more football topics. And remember to download us Thursday, not Monday. Bye.
1: The
0: Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. Produced by Sarah Grun.